All right. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm excited. Amen. Curtis, are you excited? I didn't feel like I was moving his emotions yet. He had his arms crossed, so I just wanted to make sure. Over the course of this sermon, I'll be seeking his approval. So if he smiles, let me know. (laughs) He's sad right now. (laughs) Appreciate you, brother. (laughs) Amen. All right. It says... For you were once darkness. Well, I could stop right there. I could camp out on that little phrase. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. And um, he starts off this verse with, you were once darkness. Some of your versions may say, well, you once walked in it, darkness. But now... You are light. I could actually stop there and preach another sermon. You know how hard it is to get people to understand we were once darkness? You say, well, how is that possible? I grew up in church. He didn't designate where you grew up at. He just said you were once darkness, but now you are light. And you can't miss this next part, in the Lord. Now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the what? Dead and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I uh, pray right now that you would just move upon your word. Uh, Lord, it's not my word, it's your word. And Lord, I pray that you would hide me, Lord, hide my person, my personality. And Father, I pray that you would speak through the words this morning, Lord, that I would learn first, Lord, and that everybody here would learn together with me, Lord. And I pray that you would bind the enemy over every distraction that could potentially be in this place, Lord, and that you would release your life-giving word on every heart and change us this morning, Lord, uh, for your glory. And uh, everybody in this place, if you believe that this morning, say amen. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Title of this message is Living in the Light. And so the first thing I want to kind of look at here is, what does he mean you were once darkness? That's kind of a little jarring this morning, right? That's a little disturbing. 
you and you say, well, I'm looking at you. You were, Chad, but not me. (laughs) I mean, no, we were all darkness. And so you have to ask the question, and it's maybe one of the most profound theological questions you can ask is, where did evil come from? How many have ever contemplated that or read some of the great theological arguments about where did evil even come from? Did God create it or where did it come from and how are we so susceptible to it? And what is even this darkness or this evil that uh, we have to fight every day? And, 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 and why, um, why am I being called that? Okay. Why is Paul saying I was once darkness? Okay. But now that I found Christ, I'm the light in the Lord. And I heard this story many years ago. And I don't know, I've never been able to confirm that the, uh, you'll see at the end of this story that there's a certain person this argument is attributed to. And I've never been able to confirm he actually had this argument as a student, but it, it really, the logic of it is very solid. So I'm going to read the story. Um, but as I begin to read this story, I want you to think of some of these things. Why does evil exist? And how important it is, is it to have God every day in your life? How important it is it to have his presence every day in your life? And um, here's how the uh, story goes. It says, a university professor challenged his students with this question. Did God create everything that exists? One student bravely replied, yes, he did. How many would have replied with the same thing? Hallelujah. The professor answered, if God created everything, then God created evil since evil exists. And according to the principle that our works define who we are, then God is evil and the student became quiet with such an answer from his professor. How many have ever had a professor like this? You know, angry at God and trying to disprove uh, anything about God. And um, so it says the press professor was quite pleased with himself and boasted to the students that he had proven once more that faith in God is a myth. Another student raised his hand and said, can I ask you a question, professor? He said, of course, replied the professor. The student stood up and asked, professor, does cold exist? Now, what would be your answer to that question? He said, what kind of question is this? He said, of course it exists. Have you never been cold? The students laughed at the young man's question. But the young man replied, in fact, sir, cold does not exist. According to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Everybody or object is susceptible to study when it has or it transmits energy. Absolute zero is negative 460 degrees, and that is the total absence of heat. All matter becomes inert and incapable of reaction at that temperature. Cold does not exist. We've created the word to describe of what what we feel when there is no heat. 
So how many understand that? It's the absence of heat we call cold. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor said, of course it does. We all experience darkness and we all understand darkness. How many have experienced darkness physically, spiritually? Professor responded, of course it does. The student replied once again, you're wrong. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. We can study light, but we can't study darkness. In fact, we use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. You cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. But how can you tell how dark a certain space is? You measure the amount of light that is present. Is this not correct, Professor? Darkness is a term that we have used to describe what happens when no light is present. And finally, the young man asked the professor, Sir, does evil exist? And he said, of course it does. He said, now. The professor began to think and was now a little bit more uncertain. He said, of course it must exist because we see evil every day. It's a daily example of men's inhumanity to man. It's in the multitude of crimes and violence everywhere in the world. These are the manifestations that we call evil. To this, the student replied, evil does not exist, sir, or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just darkness and cold, another word that man has used to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is not like faith. It's not like love. It does not exist like light and heat. Evil is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It's like the cold that comes when there is no heat or the darkness that comes when there is no light. The professor sat down and the young student's name was Albert Einstein. So I don't know that that truly was Albert Einstein, but I've never been able to remember. But the logic is right. And how many know that um, the Bible is very, um, um, very, um, specific to clarify light and darkness in the Bible. In fact, it says in Genesis 1-3, what, what did God create first? We think light, but it says God created the heavens and the earth, and then he said his first words, let there be light. And so God seen the light, separated it from the darkness, and said that the light was good. Why didn't he say the darkness was good? He's making a point of saying that light is a real thing. And that light represents something that is good. And he doesn't even give a definition to the darkness. And then in John chapter 1, he says um, that when Christ came into the world, it said he was the light. And that light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness doesn't understand it. They can't comprehend it. And so today I want to help us comprehend what that light is. 
Because it's a light that lights every man that comes into the world. And he's saying in this scripture that we were darkness. We were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Live like children of the light. And so one of the reasons why Paul would write this to the church of Ephesus um, one of the scriptures I bring up quite often is Peter, uh, and, and when Peter wrote First and Second Peter, he was close to being uh, martyred as a saint. And so he's about to go, and, and his wife, actually, history will say, was martyred first, and then he was martyred after his wife. And uh, they, together, you know, were martyred. And Peter could have said a lot of profound things, but one of the things he said was, I'm going to tell you the things that you already know. I'm going to remind you of the simple things, you know, basically Peter was saying. And so Paul would remind them that they were once darkness and now they're light in the Lord because how many know they were pagans at Ephesus? A lot of them had lived a life just like the rest of the world lived in darkness. They were once darkness. And we were the same way. We were once darkness and we came into his light. And we have a tendency to shut the lights off. I mean, no, we're like a house. And when Christ comes into our life, he illuminates everything about our life. He just turns the lights on. How many have ever had the lights turned on uh, when you were sleeping in the dark? It's like, uh, you know, mom, dad comes in, it's time to go to school. Those lights come on and you look like a little cockroach hiding under your pillow. How many have ever been there? Well, there's a time, now don't get offended with me. Somebody's going to go out and say, pastor, call me a cockroach. I didn't do that. But there's a day where we kind of go on that line and we're like, man, I don't know if I want God in my life because we're afraid he's going to do that. We're afraid he's going to turn the lights on in the house and everything's going to be exposed. And so there's this real desire not to want the lights to come on. And, but some of us have allowed God to just completely illuminate the house. Like, let's just turn them all on. And let's look at everything that's in here. And, and like we were talking about earlier, the hurts. Like, you know, a lot of us are carrying hurts from even when we were really little. You know, we've got hurts from mom and dad and brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And and we've got hurts from every church that we've ever been to. And we've got all kinds of mental hang-ups and things like pride and anxiety and fear and worry and and hatred and anger and bitterness. And how I many you know we're just a house full of darkness? And part of believing is 
just saying that light is good, like light from the Lord is good, and you say, well, man, that's kind of a given, isn't it? Listen to this. There's a quote by Plato, and I'm just going to interpret it here myself. But he says, it's a shame that many are afraid of the dark. He said, but what's even more shameful is so many are afraid of the light. And one of the things I think Paul is trying to reinforce in the scripture is that sometimes we have a tendency to turn the lights off in part of the house. You know, we have a tendency to say, God, you can expose what's in the front room. You can expose what's in the kitchen. But there are certain rooms in this house I don't want you to turn the light on. And Paul is trying to encourage us to come into the light and just walk in it, to live in the light, to have a desire to want. And did you notice what he says here? There's fruit that comes from the light. You might have missed that in the verse. It says, live as children of the light, because the fruit of the light consists all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen to the contemporary English version on this. You used to be people living in the dark, but now you're people of the light because you belong to the Lord. So act like people of the light and make your light shine. Be good, honest, and and truthful as you try to please the Lord. Don't take part in the worthless things that are done in the dark. Instead, show how wrong they are. It's disgusting even to talk about what is done in the dark, but the light will show what these things really are. Light shows up everything, just as the scripture says. Wake up from your sleep and rise from death. You know, this is more than just changing your behavior. This is more than just reforming yourself or being a better person. And the reason why I say is, he says, rise up from your death. This is a resurrection. This is something that's dead and can't live unless it receives the light. And I was out here recently, my wife and I were going through uh, orchard trees. And uh, how many have ever seen an orchard tree in the winter? I mean, that thing looks as dead as it can possibly look. It doesn't look like it has any life. It doesn't look possible. And so by faith, you go out and you prune them. And when you prune them, you're kind of looking from the sun's point of view. You're trying to find the limbs that are hidden that won't get the sunlight. And you're trying to expose them to the sun because the sun has life. Some of you missed that this morning. The sun has life. In fact, if the sun were not present on the earth, how many know everything would just die? The plants receive the photosynthesis. They soak in all of the nutrients The animal eats the plant, we eat the animal or we eat the plant, and we receive the nutrients and everything on earth has life. And so what he's really trying to say, what the really deeper picture is here, is that the further you get away from the light and the life, which is in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 1 John that he is the light, and in him there is no darkness. 
And can you, how many have ever been to Mammoth Cave? And how many have ever been to that deep corridor that they take you to at Mammoth Cave? They take you a little deeper, they take you a little deeper, they take you a little deeper. And I imagine that it just excites the tour guides. They're like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to take them down to the deepest, darkest chamber. And so they take them down, they light a light, say, okay, the light, and they get really dramatic. Right, how many have been there? It's real dramatic. We're going to turn out this light. And when this light is extinguished, it'll be one of the darkest places you've ever been in the world. You won't even be able to see your hand in front of your face. And how many know there's presence of light? Almost, I do that well. I could be a tour guide, couldn't I? <laughs> Preachers do that too. We get dramatic. We... But how many know they're trying to show you that the absence of light is deeper and deeper and deeper, and then there's no light. Because we're used to seeing darkness where we see a little bit. We can actually make out a few things in the room. How many have ever got up at night and you can make out a few things in the room? But they're trying to say there's no light. And so here's what happens in the world with this battle with evil. The more we walk away from his presence the darker it gets. The farther we get away, the darker and darker and darker it gets. And you say, well, man, I was was raised in church, you know, or I was raised in an atheist home. It doesn't matter which one you were raised in. The further we get away from his word, which the Bible says is light and a lamp unto our feet, the darker life gets. And I wrote down the statistics. I'm not even going to look at them because nobody really specifically cares about statistics. Let me just tell you what they say. The Soviet Union decided to extinguish the light of the gospel. It was an experiment. How many remember the United or the the Union of the Soviet Socialist Republics, USSR? And how many know they were atheists? They extinguished the light. They built their society on a whole different platform than God. And the further they walked away, how many know millions died because of that experiment? How many know in China, millions died because of their, they decided to build their culture against God, against the gospel. And so they were going further and further and further away from the light of the word of God. Then you see Cambodia, Two million, I think, were killed in Cambodia under Pol Pot. And you just look around the world, and every time they extinguish, it says the light came into the world and we couldn't comprehend it. And you say, well, what's that have to do with me? Our culture is going further and further and further away from the light. And the further we walk away from the light of God, we, we end up in darkness. And so what happens when you're in darkness? Because Paul doesn't want us to be in darkness. And I wrote some things down here. Um, church, this is simple stuff. I mean, this is stuff that you're not going to walk away and say, man, the guy's a genius. No, no, never have I been called that, believe it or not. But I've got to remind you of simple things. 
when you get up in the dark, what is the experience like? And I'm talking physical darkness, but it's related to the spiritual. When you get up in the dark and you got a really dark room and you can't see anything, how many know you're going to get hurt? You're not going to be able to identify the hurt. How many have ever had the pleasant experience of stubbing a toll? I can promise you, you stubbed that toll because of the darkness. I can promise you, your pain is associated with the darkness. I can promise you your inability to make out your environment, listen to me, has to do with your darkness. You say, well, wait a minute, you're going into the spiritual thing. I haven't done that yet. You're doing that. This room is full of things that were caused by the darkness. You say, well, man, I don't know why I have this pain. I don't know why I have this pain from family. I don't know why I have these, this pain from my emotions. I don't know why I'm suffering from this pain that has been inflicted. And can I tell you that we are people of darkness. You say, well, not me. Well, he already said we are all darkness. And we all can't make out what's in our environment. We all can't make out what's in our heart. We all can't figure out why we keep hurting ourselves. We all can't figure out why we're hurting other people. We all can't figure out why the environment's the way it is. We're all going crazy trying to figure out what's the problem with me. The problem with me, the problem with you, the problem with all of us is we're darkness. And there is no light. You mean I don't have the capability of breaking it down and understanding it? No. Not without some light. You ever done something in the dark and like you thought you had it figured out? And then later you brought a flashlight or you're somebody, anybody ever had a power outage? <laughs> and all of a sudden all the lights come on, you're like, wow. I kind of made a mess of that in the dark, didn't I? I mean, it's a lot easier when the light's on. And so what he's trying to say is don't, number one, be in the light. You know, if there's no light of God in your life, there's no way to make sense of the pain. You say, well, maybe I can if I drink a little bit. That's a well-worn path. It doesn't give clarity. It gives you time to forget about it until it piles back up and it's more intense. How many know that? Drugs and alcohol don't give clarity to darkness. You say, well, I want to heal the pain. I'm going to do it in this way. I'm going to do it in that way. How many know there's a million ways to figure out the pain? But the best way to do is to illuminate and not keep tripping over the same thing. God just wants to give light that only he can give to bring clarity to your life. And you say, well, man, I finally received the light in my life. I'm good, bro. I'm good. We do that. We say, man, I made a commitment to Christ. I'm going to church and everything's good. Well, why do you keep shutting the lights off? 
You say, well, I'm serving the Lord now. Well, why are you running back to the drugs? Why are you running back to the alcohol? Why are you running back to the anxiety? Why are you running back to the fear? Why are you running back to the bitterness? Why are you running back to the anger? You know what happens whenever the light goes off in an area? How many have ever had a room that just stayed in darkness all the time? Do you know that mold starts to grow in there? How many have ever seen the black mold, mildew, the smell, the stench? And sometimes in life, and I'm not being mean to anybody, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just trying to say you're going to get hurt again. You're going to, you say, well, man, I can, I can handle it. I just need this little drink. How many know that's not just people out there, people in this room? Chad, I just need a little drink. Leave me alone. My bitterness is okay. And actually, it makes you feel good. I mean, no, some people are more comfortable with anxiety and fear and worry and bitterness and offense. But I can promise you that's darkness in your life. And he doesn't want us to live there and he doesn't want us to stay there and he doesn't want us to live life through that prism. He wants us to turn the lights on in the whole house. He wants us to open up that pain and that bitterness. And, you know, a lot of alcohol and drugs aren't alcohol and drugs. How many know that? Those are symptoms of a lot of other things. A lot of other miseries that are going on in a person's heart and mind. And church, you, you say, well, well, pastor, by the time we're done here, are you going to give me three to five points on how I can fix all those things you just mentioned? Because I got all of them. I'll be honest. How many have had almost all of those? At some point, I'm just being honest here. Because a church is a hospital. And it's a place to repair and fix and bring life to something that's dead. You know, his son comes in to bring life. You know, it's a beautiful thing when that tree is pruned and the little green, you know, you start to see the little green. You know, and the sun just starts bringing life to a dead tree. And, and church, the payoff for me as a pastor is not to see broken people in church. The payoff for me is to start seeing green growth. Like people no longer bitter anymore. People no longer offended anymore. People no longer full of anxiety anymore. And, and, and you say, well, what are the five points? The five points is, number one, just open this light up. Number two, open this light up. <laughs> number three, open this light up. And give it a place in your heart. You say, well, man, I don't understand the Bible. And I, I can promise you, almost everybody in this room has been there where they didn't understand it. But how many know that's why God gave us a family? God gave us a family. And if you would just ask, you say, has anybody in here struggled with pornography? Let me know I just said a dirty word. Yeah, don't make eye contact with me. I might think it's you. 
All right? How many know that there's a high percentage in churches right now that are fully addicted to pornography? High percentage. You say, well, it's probably 5% in our church. I hope it is. But I'm just being real. He came this morning. The reason we're having church this morning is because you're struggling in a house that's full of darkness. And some of you have committed your life to Christ. Some of you are given everything to live for Christ. And the reason we're here today is to help you turn all the lights on. And help you say that this thing has been here for a long time. And uh, how many have ever been embarrassed that somebody came to your house? Nobody. Everybody's got perfect houses. How many have ever stuffed everything into the closet? Nobody's ever done that. No, no. But church, we're really good at that. You know, we're really good at hiding things. And you say, man, if I could only be like my pastor. Perfect. Can I tell you something? It's a regular occurrence that the light goes on and I got a mess and I don't want God inspecting it. But how many know it's necessary? It's like, God, it's, I'm finally opening this up. I actually want you to look at everything in my life. I'm tired of being miserable. Help me quit being miserable. Um, ask somebody, have, do you know anybody in the church that struggled with pornography and beat it? Do you know anybody in church that struggled with bitterness and got over it? Do you know anybody in church that's got over anger? You know anybody in church that's got over uh, offense? I mean, think that we need to start asking those questions. And we need to start pulling those groups together. Well, Chad, I got one that nobody's ever had. I've sat in this dark room in my heart, and I feel totally unworthy. I feel regret. I feel guilt. I feel like God would never want me. How many have ever felt that? Can I tell you something? There's two kinds of people I've ran into. And this is very broad and very general. And some people are both of these. But I've seen people on the street that ask the question, you say, you need Jesus in your life. And they say, why do I need Jesus? Very arrogantly and very smugly, why do I need Jesus? And man, I got to figure out a way to answer that. I don't know. You got a nice car. You got a nice job. You got, you know, beautiful kids, you know. And I got to find a way to explain to them why they need God. Then there's the other person I run into on the street. I say, you need God in your life. And they say, why would he want me? Why would he want me? How many have ever seen somebody like that? Maybe you're one of them. You know which one's easier to win? The one that says, why do you want me? Because then I can tell him how crazy about you he is. How nobody else may have cared about you. Nobody else may have loved you. But he died for you. He loves you. He's close to the brokenhearted. He'll heal the brokenhearted. How many of you know I can reach the person that doesn't feel like God would ever want him faster than I can reach the person that says, God, why do I even need him? 
And so church, I just want to encourage you today. You say, well, what are the five points? What am I going to do? What you can do is lay your life down and say, God, I'm opening my life up to you today. I'm going to let your light in my life. I'm going to give up all my opinions, all my stubbornness. In fact, I wish I could refine this. I know I'm not going to be able to find it because I'm so far away from my notes. Let me see if I can here. Here it is. Let me tell you how serious the problem is. Man in his sin is compared to a snake for its venom. It's in the Bible. Compared to a snake for its venom. How many think that your sin is that poisonous? It's compared to a donkey for its your stubbornness with your sin. How many would agree with that? It's compared to a bear for its cruelty. A dog for its uncleanness. Some of you are saying, my dog's clean. <laughs> they do some things that aren't clean, believe it or not. That's why I don't kiss them. A fox for your craftiness. A leopard for your fierceness. A moth for its appetite. A sheep for its stupidity. A spider's web for its flimsiness. A pig for its filthiness. And a wolf for its ferociousness. How many know it's a hard thing to get man to deal with his own sin and his own darkness? And so we, my message this morning, and I know this is a different message. My message this morning is just submit yourself to God because we're a house that is dark. And until we open up and realize that we can't do it ourselves, and that we're all sinners, then we're never going to get the help that we need. We're never going to get the light that brings life. And you say, well, Chad, I just came to get to be a better person. I just came to get better and remodel myself. Well, that's not what's being offered. What's being offered is life from a dead person. Resurrection is what he's trying to offer. He's trying to offer you not somebody who's getting better. It's somebody that turns all the lights on and God resurrects and gives new life. You know, God wants to change your life by changing all of those attitudes and all of those beliefs. You say, I got to lay them down. You got to lay them down. You say, well, I believe this and I believe that and I think this and I think that and the psychiatrist said this and the the talk show said that and on a podcast they said this and I got this degree from here. But that's not what that says. That says life comes from His light. And I'm asking you this morning just to lay everything down and say what I'm doing is not working. And I need your life today, God. I need your light in my life. I need to understand this word. I need to find people that have had victory. And I want light to be in my life. And I don't want to live in darkness anymore. You've been trying to ask all these questions. How do I, how did I get so evil? How did I get so bad? How did I get so this or get so that? It's because the farther we walk away from God, the darker the house gets. And God's just saying, turn around. Move toward me again. 
Start filling yourself up with light. Start filling yourself up with my words. Start filling yourself with what I think about you, what my opinions are of you, what my opinions are of the world around you. You know, you can sit your whole life trying to figure out why so-and-so hurt you. Or you can sit around and say, God, how am I supposed to treat them? And you're going to find out the bitterness for your parents, the bitterness for the people that hurt you, the bitterness that you've held for so long, you're going to find out that he will turn it into love. You said, how is that possible? I'm just telling you it's possible. I'm telling you I've received that kind of light that brings life. And apart from him, there's no way to turn bitterness into love. There's no way to turn anger into peace. You know, there's no way to turn troubled waters into something that's calm. There's no way to do it aside from his life coming in and bringing light. So you open it up and you say, oh, wow. Wow. God, I'm going to open up this room. It's full of nothing but porn. Somebody say, run him out of town. I can't believe he's talking like this on Sunday morning. But that's what I'm saying. Open it up. Say, here it is. It's killing me. It's in darkness and I can't fight it anymore and I don't know how to beat it anymore. And God's saying, just open it up and let me clean it up. You say, but no, I'm going to clean it up and then I'm going to come to him. Open the door. God, here's all this anger. I sit and I fantasize about hurting somebody, inflicting pain on somebody, inflicting pain on myself. I mean, no, you can't keep that inside. It's time to open the door up, flip that light on and say, you know what? No more anger. Bitterness. Man, I'm bitter. I missed out on this. I missed out on that. I missed out on this. Open the door up. Turn the light on and say, God, come in here. Man, look how bitter I am. Offense. Oh boy, I'm offended you went there. You should have never went there. I'm offended. Well, that's a problem. You've got to quit being offended. Open the door up and say, they're cataloged. This offense is right here. In fact, remember, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. But we've got them cataloged in this room on a shelf. And every once in a while we pull that one out and say, ah, good book. They did this to me, and they did that to me, and they did this to me, and whew, that was a good book. Put it back. you got a cataloged record that you keep pulling up, and you like to drink while you're reading. God's saying, hey, open the library up. Let me see. You're like, no, I'm a good Christian, but I'm going to hold on to these. God's saying, hey, open it up. Let me give you love instead of offense. Let me teach you how to love. You know the hardest chapter in the Bible to live out? I'm going long, I know. The hardest chapter in the Bible to live out is the love chapter in Corinthians. And I'm absolutely shocked that Paul wrote that. You ever thought about it? A Pharisee of Pharisees? The guy that went around persecuting the church and then got converted? And he's writing that chapter that love is kind, love is patient. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love is gentle. 
And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to try the hardest thing in the Bible to do is read that chapter every day and try to live it out. And I'm going to tell you, everybody around you will thank you for it. But it's the hardest thing to do. Because you've got to open up that room that's all that offense. You want to know some of the number one causes of alcohol and drug addiction? It's that room. That room of offense. That room of hatred. That room of discord. That room of envy. Envy? We don't envy. We're, Chad, we're, come on. I mean, I, some people don't want to go to church and hear this kind of stuff, but I do. I do because I've lived in dark rooms. You know, you won't believe how nasty my house was when God shined the light. You say, well, good thing you're perfect now. The longer I know the Lord, the more deep I know my issues are. I feel like I need His grace more today than I did when I first started. You say, you're more of a sinner, you got worse. No, I just, I couldn't have handled it if you told me back then. I couldn't have handled it. And some of you are saying, man, I'm glad he finally told him, you know. We've seen it all along. But how many of you know, the more you know the Lord, the deeper that relationship is and the more he cleanses you. And the more he opens up deeper recesses of your heart. Um, if I give him a worship team up here, stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. There's not any more I can say on this subject. I mean, no, we just have to have action here. Praise God. You say, well, what do I do from here? What do I do from here? I, I listened to a, uh, really was impactful. I was kind of surprised it was so impactful. But I was listening to a clip this week on Billy Graham. And he was giving his testimony. And I thought, man, this is going to be incredible. You know, I bet lightning struck or some of the heavens opened and, you know, a dove landed on his shoulder and said, Billy Graham, you're going to be a great man. But he said, I gave my life to the Lord when about 300 other people came to the altar. And he said he went up there, he said a prayer with everybody else, went home, and said, I don't know that anything really felt different. He goes, but I'll tell you, something changed. And he said, I was never the same after that night. Let me know it's so simple that a fool need not make a mistake. All God's asking you to do this morning is open your life up to Him and say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to shine in my heart. I want you to take all of my attitudes. I want you to take all of my belief system. I want you to take all of the things that are in here that are holding me back. And I want you to shine your light. God, I want to live for you. I don't want to be, I don't want to be miserable anymore. God, I don't want, uh, to live the life that I'm living. I want the life that you have for me, Lord. How many want to do that today? Hallelujah. How many want God to live through you? How many want his light and his life to shine in your life today? Molly, I know you do. You're a blessing. You know that. I love this girl. 
Hallelujah. I love the excitement she has for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She's waving at me over there. Hallelujah. How many want God's life in your, in your life? You just want Him to shine on you every day. You want to get up and do, you want to have the fruit of His light. And it says the fruit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Man, I'm going to tell you something. When the greatest thing that I noticed when I gave my life to the Lord was, and I'm being 100% honest here, the next day it shocked me that I woke up wanting to do the right thing. I was just thinking to myself, this is so weird that I want to do the right thing. How many think that's, how many ever experienced that? Like something inside of me wants to do the right thing now. I couldn't always do it like God wanted me to, but I wanted, I had a desire now to do the right thing. To live in righteousness and truth and goodness. Hallelujah. If that's you today, church, I just want you to find a place to pray and say, God, turn all the lights on. I don't want to live anymore in darkness. Hallelujah. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord this morning, let's, let, let's just close our eyes for a moment. You've never given your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit... Hallelujah. We just begin to speak to you this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Just begin to think about your life. I don't want you to think about the things that you want everybody to see. I want the Lord just to begin to reveal the dark places. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the Holy Spirit would just begin to reveal right now. That room full of bitterness, anger, pornography, alcohol, drugs. know we don't get quiet enough now you're going to have a choice here do I keep it or do I let him in do I keep it or do I let him in do I want to stay mad do I want to stay bitter do I want to stay wounded do I want to stay hurt do I want to feel like I'm a nobody still or do I want God to speak into this room do I want his light to shine do I want to hear what he has to say about me oh I'm just going to begin to pray right now I'm just going to begin to pray right now that you would trust God enough to let him in
Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to let him into this room of addiction to pornography, my addiction to drugs, my addiction to alcohol, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, my whatever it is, my offense. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, if that's you this morning, you just begin to cry out to him. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, I would be happy to lead you to the Lord this morning. And come up to the altar or we can meet after church or we can meet during the week. But it's time to bring his light into your house. Hallelujah. To the deepest recesses of your heart. The absence of God is why evil is having its way in your life. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment as um, Brian sings this worship song. Just to let God search your heart. And then I'll close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, I'm up here for you. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, just don't hesitate to come to the altar. We'll pray over you. We'll pray with you. Hallelujah. We're going to close this morning. I want you to think about something, though. We live in a culture that does everything fast, instant. Man, I can download that link. I can cook that food really fast. I can call the deliver to my door. Can I tell you, walking out, walking in the light, walking... And living the life God's called us to live is not just a saying. It's not just something we talk about. The, you know what it looks like? It looks like a husband praying, God, teach me how to love. You know, when I got married, I didn't know how to love. And my wife might still say I'm not very good at it. I don't know. But it's every day saying, teach me how to love my wife. It's every day saying, teach me how to love my husband. It's every day saying, teach me how to be a father. Teach me how to be a friend at work. Teach me how to be faithful to you. And but see, in our culture, we want it instantly. We think it's just going to happen because we went to church. But we got to get up Monday morning and say, today, I need that light to shine on me. I need it at lunch. I need it at dinner. I need it before I go to bed. I need it in the morning when I wake up. And, and, and church, when we get that light of God to shine through his word in our life, and we start understanding, hey, wait a minute. I thought I had, what I would love for this message to be is I thought I had 1 Corinthians 13 figured out. But now that I reread it, it is kind of hard. Love is patient. Love is kind. I don't know if you ever watched the movie Apostle Paul. But he's coming out of prison saying, love is patient. Love is kind. He's quoting that scripture he just wrote. 
I think it was kind of hard for him to live it out while he was being beaten and put in a dungeon. <laughs> but man, if we could just live it out, church, that's where it's at. That's where the light shines and the life comes and God begins to do things in our life. It's just those prayers every day saying, God, do this in me. God, do this in me. Make me this kind of husband. Make me this kind of wife. You know, here are my failures. Oh, never say that in church. <laughs> Here's my weaknesses. Here's where I fell short. Here's where the mask is off. Hallelujah. Let's pray that God will do that in all of us so God can begin to change us truly. Hallelujah. It's okay in church. You say, it's okay. I won't be taken off the membership. No, it's actually what we're here for, for healing. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, I pray that you bless your people, Lord God. Oh, Father, tomorrow morning, Lord God, I pray that your spirit would move upon each of your people and you would help us, Lord God, and you would heal us, Lord, and you would shine your marvelous light on us, Lord, and that, Lord, your light would be our guiding light, Lord God, through the day, be like a lamp to our feet, and, Father, that you would change your people, Lord, do a mighty work, Lord God, bless us, Lord with your presence. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.